welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small kids, coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friend, and welcome. I'm so glad that we get to share this time together. I hope this finds you doing well and enjoying the shift into the mid-spring period if you're listening live or enjoying whatever cycle of the seasons that you're currently in if you're listening later. You know, part of living seasonally is moving through cycles of doing and awareness and then needing to come back into a place of silence to the ground, a period of kind of reassessing and getting back to the foundations of a thing. It's sort of this inhale, exhale, expand, contract way of living that is intrinsic to us as humans, but especially those of us who are more consciously walking the seasonal wheel of the year. And this contraction, this exhale has been really top of mind for me. And the timing is so lovely because we're, we're transitioning into Taurus season, this mid-spring period that's ruled by the earth element, Taurus is a fixed sign. It's focused on what true stability means. And it's this period when the new plants, the sprouts, the new animals that have been born are becoming established, rooted in kind of feeling into their new bodies, established enough that they can become who and what they need to become in this spring and summer growth cycle. And I feel that that's true for us too. You know, I've been feeling the need to kind of come back to the earth, to the ground, and sort of see like, where am I? What is true right now? And the big question that keeps coming up for me personally, and as someone who holds space for a collective experience through this podcast and through my community, is, you know, are we becoming the people we need to become for these times? And I'm not so sure. I know that many of us are doing our best. I know I feel like on my my good days, I'm doing my best. But I feel this call to turn up the intensity, not out of a, a sense of like, you know, we're not good enough, we're not doing enough, we're bad. It's more this sense of like yearning, this sense of being truly being called to go deeper, larger, to, like I said, turn up the intensity of this work. And one of the things that has been helpful for me as I do that is to make a clear delineation between work with a little w and capital W work, big work. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk more about what those two concepts entail and why we need to be focusing more on capital W work if we're going to be conscious people who can take care of ourselves, who can take care of each other, who can take care of our planetary home, but also as people who can be cared for by one another, by this planetary home, and who can do that in the midst of crisis and collapse. So I want to start by talking about where I believe we are in this present moment, this unique time in history. I believe that what we are seeing and experiencing are the impacts of climate change, which is well upon us, and also the impacts of collapse, the collapse of the so-called United States, Western Empire, it kind of depends, whatever words 
fit for you. I can only speak to my experience here in the United States, but what I'm seeing is kind of widespread um, social and cultural and institutional collapse. So the impacts of climate change are already felt and have been for years. We're the sixth mass extinction is well underway. The desertification of once lush forests across the globe is happening, including in the American West where I live. There are climate refugees all around the globe, including again where I live with forest fires, with evacuees from landslides or flooding or hurricanes. It doesn't take long to look around the globe and find evidence of that, that people are already having to move and have limited access to resources because of rising sea levels, rising temperatures. So that's here. It's already here. It is both in the future and also right upon us. And sometimes I have to hold my hand on my heart and get real with that. Like I'm here and the the climate is increasingly unstable and it is on track to get worse. I have to really sit with that and breathe and again hold my heart and try not to fall apart or decompose in the midst of that but to just be with it you know and breathe and say okay that's where I am that is real. In another vein and right alongside climate change we're also witnessing the collapse of the United States of this empire and this is a well-documented phenomenon that empires have an expiration date around 250 years and this is especially outlined in Sir John Glubb's book called The Six Ages of a Civilization's Growth and Collapse and I want to share a quote first by Margaret Wheatley on this concept and this is from her book called Who Do We Choose to Be? Facing Reality, Claiming Leadership, Restoring Sanity. So here's what she has to write about um, this concept, the sort of arc of a civilization's growth and collapse. She says, the logic of this is very clear. Each generation matures in better socioeconomic circumstances that have been created for them by the preceding generation. Thus, there is always a march to increasing materialism. In every generation, youth will have higher expectations for comfort than their parents. Improved material conditions create attitudinal changes that insist on still more material changes and, predictably, because of this wealth and erosion of morality, the civilization declines into decadence. So according to this model, we are now firmly in the age of decadence, and here's what Sir John Glove has to say about this time. He writes, The impression that it will always be automatically rich causes the declining empire to spend lavishly on its own benevolence until such time as the economy collapses, the universities are closed, and the hospitals fall into ruin. So I don't know if any of that resonates with you. It's of course not as bad as it could be here in the United States, but um, historical accounts and academia aside, I don't think it's hard to see the collapse firsthand in your own life, in your own neighborhood. You know, the increasing instability and hardship, the death grip that so many of us have on this way of life, the insistence that, you know, even in the midst of heat domes, forest fires, floods, that we will continue to get up, go to work, collect our paychecks, and try to live the American dream, I think is evidence enough of the fact that we are in this period of collapse and we are often relating to it in a really delusional way. 
because this is all happening and we're still in this really uncomfortable, painful transition period where many of us are trying to reconcile the destruction, the chaos that we see, the very real impacts of a warming climate that we feel with the reality that there is still a institution above us that requires us to pay our rent or our mortgage. We may have student loans. Like there is still this engine happening very, very powerfully that demands that we earn money. And that is a really hard place to be inside of those two realities. And I know that you probably know all of this. I know you care about the climate. You're here listening to a podcast about work and nature. I know that you get this on some level. So some of us are awake or somewhat awake to the real delusions of living like this, of going to work when it's 117 degrees outside, of continuing to work even as chaos erupts all around us. But even as awake as we might feel and as present as we can be to that reality, to what it's really like to be alive right now, it's so enrapturing, so seductive to get into default mode, often because we don't see a clear path forward or out of this. It's really easy for us to sort of fall back to sleep, to get lulled into a belief that this is natural, that it's natural and healthy to sit at a computer for eight hours a day, that email is very important, that it really does matter whether or not the economy grows, right? And like in the face of what's actually happening, this is all sort of laughable, but it's our day-to-day existence and we don't always know like what the alternative is. But we need to get real about the fact that we really are living in an upside-down world with very skewed values and priorities. Our days are consumed by work that may matter somewhat. It may be fun. It may even be part of our destiny or like a real important part of our path of awakening. But that little work, that little W work is keeping many of us farther and farther apart from the real work, capital W, that is urgently needed right now. So I want to define what I mean by little work, little w. By this I mean the activities that we do every day to earn money, to meet our material needs. These are our jobs, our businesses, Um, also the work that we do to consume, to buy things, to tend to our homes, to produce to reproduce like our ego also, to reproduce our social status, to um, reproduce what we think we should project onto the world. And this is not all bad, of course, but for most of us, this little work is totally invested in the gears of capitalism and is actually contributing or at least having no positive impact on the demise of our planet, of our access to fresh air to fresh water to our holistic and collective well-being there's a distance there and i know that you probably work a lot you might work too much and it can feel really draining to be working a lot when you also know deep in your heart maybe not even consciously but deep in your heart that how you spend so much of your time is out of alignment with what this world needs from you right now and I've been heartsick over this. I've had many clients who have been heartsick over this. This overwhelming weight of responsibility of our day-to-day jobs and work, little work, 
gets compounded by the knowing that we are participating in this sham of capitalism, this manufactured urgency, the fake importance as if the stock market really matters, the emptiness of this unending wheel of consumption and production. This little W work takes so much of our time and it's really unfortunate and unjust that it's also a large part of how we survive in this economy, how we make the money we need to buy shelter, to get food, to, you know, purchase clothing and shoes. So this is necessary work right now because we're not on the other side of collapse yet where, you know, perhaps on the other side of this capitalism will fall away and we can shift into a way of living that is actually life-giving instead of death giving. But even in the midst of having to do this to continue to do our little W work, even though it's very heavily invested in the capitalist machine that is literally choking our planet, even though we have to do that, we can still make a choice and be careful to not put our values and our beliefs into little W work. We really need to start recognizing that there is other work to be doing right now. And to actually see that the emphasis our culture, our leaders, our bosses, our families place on little w work and our income is actually impeding our ability to meet the chaos and challenges of living right now. It is delusional to keep focusing on our jobs, to keep focusing on the corporate ladder, on our social status, because that delusion is costing us our resilience and our wise action, our clarity of thought and clarity of behavior. When I say capital W work, what I mean is the labor that we put into becoming wise and taking that right action, taking the action we need to meet the chaos and challenges of these times. These are things like being willing to see what's really happening in our world and how that's living and manifesting in your own body, healing the body, healing trauma in your family line, learning and loving the land that we find ourselves on, decolonizing ourselves, our minds, those of us who come from settler cultures, which throughout history, of course, is almost everyone, but I'm talking specifically about white settlers in the United States today. Capital W work could be praying, connecting to the divine, connecting to whatever it is that is holding all of this together. This can be living into the fullness of our gifts and knowing that we are here on this earth at this time for a reason. And our gifts, the the soul of us, the truth of us, is so much bigger than any job, any little W work. It's here to guide us into becoming the people that can rise up and meet these times in a good way. Unfortunately, big W work is rarely a channel for income, but it is more important than ever. You know, imagine what would be possible if the day-to-day work, if little work sort of just fell away for billions of people on this planet. Think about if people didn't have to go to a job or run a business that didn't really enliven them. Think about the food that they could grow, the trees they could plant, the water they could free from the dams, the clothes and the buildings that we could mend, the communities that we could build. So many people are caught in the grind of work that they don't even have the space to get to the heart of 
the big work that's needed, the true effort and awareness that is needed right now. So I know that every one of you listening to this is doing capital W work right now. I know it and it's, it is helping. And I know that this transition through collapse is a nonlinear, messy process. It is impossible to split into two binary realities of little W work and capital W work. I know that. But if you know that your little work, however you earn an income, is keeping you farther than you would like from the real work that you need to be doing right now, the real heart-centered, soul-gratifying, chaos-meeting work that you need to be doing right now, I just want to challenge you to continue shifting your focus more and more, to continue divesting from a culture and a belief about work and career development that uh, has no place really in our future or even in the current reality. You know, according to the climate clock, which is a, a timeline set up by scientists and activists the world over, according to the climate clock, we have about seven years until we reach what's called the point of no return, where we surpass a rise in global temperature of 1.5 degrees Celsius seven years. And in a sane society, which I know doesn't really work because no sane society would have reached the point where we are now, but for the purposes of this exercise, if we were a society made up of conscious, courageous, disciplined people connected to the wisdom of the divine, connected to the wisdom of the earth, no one would be working inside of a corporation, an NGO, or even a government actively causing harm to the earth or to its inhabitants, which is most corporations, even most NGOs, and even most governments. Most people wouldn't even be working in jobs at all because most jobs have no intrinsic value except to earn money for others or to shuffle money around. You know, in a conscious society, we would all have the chance to have our material needs met in small communities, living in greater harmony with the cycles and rhythms of this planet that sustains us. You know, if we were really awake and answering the call of these times, almost everyone's labor would be channeled toward preventing this so-called point of no return, right? Wouldn't that make sense? Like we're about to fall off of a cliff and we're still, you know, pushing papers around. And I'm not trying to be unkind and say that the work that you do doesn't matter, not at all. But we are all inside of this structure that makes no true sense. Most of what most of us do is feeding this engine that is going to take us off the ledge. And if we were you know, collectively, like on a large scale, able to respond to these times, we would understand that we cannot keep consuming so much. The West cannot keep hoarding all of this energy. We can't drive or fly or buy clothing made in sweatshops. We we would get real about the choices that we need to make right now. There is another way to live. There are so many activists and people more invested and more knowledgeable than me who are really honoring and turning to the indigenous intrinsic wisdom that lives in our bones and that is also shared through indigenous activism today. There are other options for us and we really, I think more and more of us need to get real about where we are and the cliff that 
we could fall off of. And unfortunately, we don't live in a society that's awake to this or responding to this in a good way, do we, right? We live in this one, which is still fully entrenched and on a mass scale, fully invested in the way that things have been in the empire that was born and that they believe should continue in perpetuity. And we are in this deeply uncomfortable in-between period where something new is trying to be born. I really believe that, that there is another future for us, but it's not here yet. And we still have bills to pay. And, you know, yes, the forests are burning, but I have this Zoom call to go to, and I don't know what to do anyway. Like, I, it's a sense of, like, helplessness, and um, I'm laughing because it really is comical. It's just, um, it's just amazing, like, the point that we are in right now. And there are so many resources and thinkers out there who have a much more thorough approach and, you know, um, paradigm for how to respond to this than I do. And I will put links to some of them in the show notes for you today. But for our purposes here, I just want to ask, inspire, challenge you to shift at least one small part of your energy and attention away from little w work to big w work you know margaret wheatley and many others believe that we are past the point where political action is even possible or would even make enough of a difference and i agree with that you know i don't believe the un is going to get us out of this i don't believe the democratic party has the will to make any truly meaningful changes. That doesn't mean that I don't vote or I don't invest um, some of my energy and attention in these larger structures, but I don't believe it's our it's the answer or that it's gonna save us that alone. I believe our hope really lies in the emergence of grassroots change uh, in reverberations of clarity and honesty in these little pockets of new ways of living that can be repeated, that can become fractals of one another, that can be adapted and grown. On his podcast, The Living Myth, Michael Mead paraphrased this little nugget that you find in many myths, and he said something like, before it begins, you own the journey. Once it's underway, the journey owns you. And I think that's where we are now. We're on this journey that we don't have control over. We're we're owned by it, we're dictated by it to a far extent. And our role is really to be awake to it, responsive to it in our own creative and courageous ways. It doesn't mean that the future is dictated, that our fate is already sealed, but we are riding the current of something that is much bigger than us. And so each of us has choices to make inside of that. And I want to ask you, you know, how can you deprioritize little w work and reprioritize capital W work today, this week, this month? It might mean literally spending less time on your job or the work that you do that doesn't feel in direct alignment with you as an awake conscious person in these times. It might mean not changing how much time you spend, but investing less energy in it, remembering the importance and the urgency of the real world right now that you know your bosses demand that you get back to them by five about something is a lot different than you know the fact that we have seven years to make humongous shifts it could mean getting real about the fact that 
global supply chains are fragile, that we're going to need to become much more locally focused and resilient as things continue to flux. It may mean understanding who you need to be right now, who you need to be for yourself and for your loved ones, how you can become someone who is adaptable, who is awake, and who can be a leader in whatever way you need to be right now, which may include considering what in your life needs healing in your own body, in your own family line. Um, It may mean looking at the money that you need to live and really letting that be enough so that you do have the time and space to do things like growing your own food, getting to know the land that you inhabit, taking care of your home and your family, cooking good food, strengthening your body, learning, participating in mutual aid, etc. That Those things take time and energy. And unfortunately, so many of us are caught up in these wheels of this little work that we don't have the space or create the space to do these things that actually fortify us and that feel joyful. I mean, these are like basic human rights. Everyone should have the right to spend the time they need growing their own food, learning how to harvest food, um, connecting with their neighbors, cooking the food that they want from scratch, building a, a safe and strong home, getting to know, you know, the mushrooms or the plants in their area, whatever it is, like we all, that's, that's basic human nature and we deserve the right to reconnect to it. Everyone does, the world over. And I believe that this process of deprioritizing little work and getting closer to what's truly necessary is nestled inside some of the pushback and the shifts that we're seeing, you know, the pushback against productivity, the movement toward the four-day work week, unionization, all these wonderful things that are happening in the workplace. But the risk is that we could get on the other side of those things and still be totally caught up in propping up an empire that needs to collapse. It's totally possible that we could have a four-day work week in this country and then everyone just spends their three-day weekends driving more or consuming more or being even more isolated and spending more time on their phones, right? So we have to be really intentional with where we're placing our energy because we will default to the maintenance of an economy and culture, a way of living that will leave us with no true sustenance no true wildness or beauty, no real vibrant life. And this reckoning that we're in right now is necessary because it's happening and more of more of us can't look away and that's a good thing. And I want to encourage you not to look away either, even though this feels really scary. There is a real freedom and energy that can open up when we are honest with ourselves about how things truly are. When we are honest about the fact that that project or memo or event is inconsequential when we lay it down next to the fact that we have seven years to make sweeping global changes or else face even more famine, droughts, and greater turbulence. And that doesn't mean that we abandon the project or the memo or the event or whatever it is, but it does mean that we start telling the truth about how much they actually matter. You know, let's be honest about how important this really is and where it fits into the grand scheme of things and and how it relates to truly living and being awake and alive in this 
moment. Is it contributing to that or not? Let's be honest about that. It is possible to have one foot inside of an economy that it just delivers death and destruction like the current one that we're in. We can also keep one foot inside of a wiser reality in which you are someone who knows what matters and who can take right action when and how you need to. You can go to your job or your business and tend to that little W work when you need to, but you can also start becoming more and more someone who can answer the call of these times. You can become someone who is more resilient, who is in love with this world, who wants to fully live, who isn't satisfied with just being comfortable, who is willing to consume and produce less so that others can also have a future. You can be that person. You are that person. And you can quicken that becoming by really limiting how often you get sucked into the realm of little W work and spending more of your attention on what fortifies you from within and from the ground up, your true capital W work. Okay, my friend, that's what I have for you today. I hope this felt enlivening and not too scary or, um, I mean, I just hope it landed however it needed to land it for you. There's lots of resources in the show notes if you are curious about where some of these ideas are coming from or if you want more information. If you would like to learn more about me and my work, you can visit awildnewwork.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and visit the podcast page to rate the show and leave a review. That really helps the work get to more people who need to hear it. I'll be back with you in two weeks. Take such good care and I'll see you on the other side.